Hey, Min. Hey, Rach. I have to tell you something really exciting. Um, One of my favorite podcast creators just came out with a new podcast. And uh, she is like an incredible storyteller. And she focuses almost exclusively on scary stories, which you know is my jam. It's like murder and scary stories. Hello, I am there. My name is Rachel, and I'm excited. <laughs> and it's um, it's called Stories with Sapphire, and it's hosted by Sapphire, the Sapphire Sandalo. She's the creator of Something Scary web series and podcast, and I've been listening to her for years. Um, and she's a paranormal expert on Travel Channel's Paranormal Caught on Camera, which I also watch. So can you tell I'm fangirling a little bit? Like, my voice is getting a little high, and I'm just very excited about this. That's awesome. Yeah, and I join you in your excitement. And um, we just wanted to share with our listeners, because we love this show, and we think that you guys will really enjoy it too. So as Rachel was saying, Stories with Sapphire is hosted by Sapphire Sandalo. And this new show is Sapphire's personal exploration of paranormal and supernatural phenomena through stories, interviews, and poems. So I really like that it's got, you know, the story and the interview component. We're able to kind of follow along and it, and it feels a little like how we do our own show, but I really like the, the cadence of how she presents the stories and, um, one of my favorites so far. If you are if you are new to all things Sapphire, be sure to check out the Women in White. That's like one of my favorite episodes. Um, I think it's a really great one to kind of get a feel of what she's doing. And I know you'll be hooked after you give that a listen. So check it out. New episodes available every Wednesday. And you can always check out her website to learn more, which is www.storieswithsapphire.com. That's Sapphire, S-A-P-P-H-I-R-E. Oh, man, I can't wait to listen. Actually, I'm going to hop off the phone right now and, and take a take a listen. So I really just, I got to go. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. The stories we tell communicate who we are and what we value. Each episode, we consider a different story from our perspective as women. From murder ballads to fairy tales, we discuss the power these stories have over us all. This is our history, both real and imagined, told through the eyes of today. This is Femlore. Hi there, welcome to Femlore. I'm Rachel. I'm Mindy. And we're here to tell you a story. Um, get ready, because this one is a doozy, man. Uh-oh. Yeah. So, um, Min, today's story is a doozy, and I just think we should probably quickly state at the top that it does contain violence against women and children. So if you're a sensitive listener, please, please uh, turn off now. We have plenty of other episodes you can check out. Um, and, you know, I just wanted to say that right at the top because it is quite graphic. Yeah, I I read over the story too. And yeah, if you're <laughs> listening with small children or if you just don't want to hear that kind of story today... Um, we're sharing a murder ballad. If you know what those are, turn off now. Rachel's going to get into it. But um, we appreciate you supporting our podcast. And like Rachel said, lots of other episodes. Um, go back and give one of the other ones a listen. Mm-hmm. Less murdery ones. Yes. So I'm just going to get into this because um, you mentioned murder ballads. So um, I wanted to quickly say what kind of what murder ballads are. Um, and these are older um, ballads that kind of 
they they're very common in the Appalachia region, but they they are pretty much everywhere in America, south everywhere, and they usually kind of describe a murder that happened. Typically, those are real murders, um, and that's the American version. There's also preceding that there's a long line in history within England um, and that region of murder ballads. So these typically describe a real murder and they usually, they're pretty formulaic. So a woman, you know, a man typically murders the woman and it's that kind of story. So, um, and I wanted to quickly say that we actually got a lot of this information from Paul Slade's website, which is Planet Slade. And um, Paul Slade actually also wrote a book on murder ballads. So if you're interested in this topic, definitely check his book out. Um, it's called Unprepared to Die, America's Greatest Murder Ballads and the True Crime Stories that Inspired Them. And um, I also wanted to quickly mention that we, for this story, we took a reference from the episode Sad Ass Songs from Dolly Parton's America. So uh, shout out to both those um those people, and we're very excited to kind of get this moving forward. Last house cleaning thing. Um, while Mindy and I are both drinking water, this episode does pair well with Chrysalis Shelter for Victims of Domestic, of domestic Violence. Um, this story is quite upsetting, and we thought we would donate to a nonprofit that helped uh, women and even their uh, abusers kind of um, come to an understanding. So this nonprofit does a lot of work um, in in communities to kind of get women um, either out of those situations and also educate men. So it's it's a it's a great organization on Charity Navigator. They have like 91%. So great organization. Definitely check it out. And we will be donating um, some money to them. So we hope you do the same. All right. Uh, this this uh, murder ballad is called The Silent Grove, and it actually can be traced back to 1838. So get ready. Mary Stevenson had lived in the hamlet in Berkshire all her 16 years. She had bright blue eyes, fair skin, and much to her mother's surprise, her hair remained bright blonde. This day, after tending the chickens, she decided to go into town to get more supplies for her family of six. And when she reached Twyford Town, she saw Henry Thompson for the first time. At first, he wasn't much to look at. He was average height, weight, and build. Someone you might forget, that is, until he caught you with his charm. Henry saw Mary, and he walked with purpose towards her, not briskly. He didn't want to scare her. He just wanted to know her name. It's been raining, he said loudly to get her attention. She turned, but didn't slow her gait. I said, it's been raining, he said again and winked. She slowed this time, nodded and said, that's why I'm trying to get to the store before it really starts pouring. Well, you won't mind if I walk with you, he said, jogging to catch up with her. What's your name, or should I call you Rain Dodger? She laughed and said, Mary, Mary Stevenson. Their romance was fast. Within six months, she knew she was with child. Her stomach ached those first few months, but soon enough, this gave way to a glow, and more importantly to Mary, less pain. She was happy. You could often catch her singing to her unborn baby in the garden. Henry saw Mary in Twyford Town shortly after she had given birth and asked to see her. As she became happier with her bundle of joy, Henry's mood darkened. He had been seen in town physically holding her arms while talking close. You ruined me, he'd been heard whispering through clenched teeth. She would meet him that night because she thought, no, she knew he was going to propose. She had asked him only a week before, Henry, my dearest Henry, when is our wedding day? She met him long after the birds were done singing, and the silence was only broken by croaking frogs and hooting owls. She bounced her baby close to her chest up and down as he walked closer, not unlike that first meeting, slowly so as not to scare her. Something dark flashed in his eyes. At the same time as she looked down, she saw something glint and reflect in his hands. 
Down the knife came, and poor Mary dropped her son. His work was not done after she took her last breath. He grabbed the wailing child and punched his knife through the baby's neck. The child was much easier to kill, he thought as he wiped his knife and ran towards Twyford Town. News of Mary and her child's death spread. Henry, who could hide the truth no more, told his mother what he'd done. His confession brought no relief, and he thought about his life and his own death. I know not where to wander, nor whither I should go. Okay, so quick wrap-up. Boy meets girl. Boy stalks girl. Boy stalks girl. Girl gets pregnant, has baby. Boy gets mad, uh, tells her that uh, she can't, like, that she ruined him. That's in air quotes. Nobody can see me. And then then he decides to kill them both and then runs away. And then says that last line, like, we're supposed to feel sorry for him because he doesn't know where to go or what to do. Yep. mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Yeah, yeah. Then he's, like, self-pitying, right? So I think there's a lot of, of like discussion points here, but I think the first thing that I would just like to say is that um, this ending I think is kind of significant because um, in murder ballots we've covered before, there are usually different versions of whether or not they get caught. And I think this one specifically, um, he doesn't necessarily get caught. He's just kind of like seeing like, you know, like everybody's like, oh, Henry, that guy, bad thing he did. And they're just kind of like, oh, that sucks, you know, kind of thing. Um, but, you know, it's I think it's significant that he doesn't necessarily get caught. Yeah. And I think um, the other thing that I wanted to bring up is the fact that this is I'm just remembering that episode, Sad Ass Songs from Dolly Parton's America um, and knowing that these are true stories to your point. Like these originated from an actual murder and then these were turned into folkloric songs and ballads that were shared and sang. So um, if you give their uh, podcast a listen in that one, you'll hear Dolly talking about growing up, she would hear these songs. So growing up when she saw domestic violence in her family, it just kind of seemed normal because these are stories that she had been fed. So these are extremely problematic. Like this is so much more than a story. And I think obviously there's just, it's so, so problematic here because um, are we supposed to infer that how she ruined him is because she got pregnant out of wedlock? Yeah, I think so. I think that's exactly the implication. So that's the that's kind of the like the terror or what young girls are supposed to be afraid of then is like, Mm -hmm. you know, you as a woman are the one responsible for if you get pregnant or not, which is so not the case. But obviously we're just talking specifically here about these murder ballads and it's like, do not have sex before marriage like that or you're going to get murdered. That's basically what this is trying to tell people. Yeah. And I think um, it does serve as a way to keep women uh, not, explore sexually like I think it, it is a way to kind of keep women in a specific place um and and not to explore that and you know that that was dangerous like honestly if I was if I was back in that day like I wouldn't I wouldn't like have I would not I would be a quote-unquote spinster because first of all childbirth right like holy shit like that sounds um and you know millions of women do that today without any help or anything. And, and, you know, that's interesting in itself. But um, back then you were looking at a very high death rate to have a child. Um, And then like this, uh, the social aspect of it, of like men 
um, be having the power or being able to leave you. Though I think in this story, what I find interesting is Henry doesn't really have that much power. Like, I think he has to, he's feeling the social pressure to propose too. Um, and that's why he has, he feels like he has to kill her. And I, I think we always talk about society trying to kind of move, move people in a way, kind of like move gender stereotypes, kind of move things in, in a specific way. And um, I think if you, if you look back on the history and think about marriage in general, it was a trap if it wasn't somebody that you loved, right? There's no divorce. There's no way to get out. And, um, you know, I'm not excusing Henry's actions at all, but I think that this, the societal aspect of that, right, of, of marriage being for life, um, put people in a very desperate situation. Again, this guy's an asshole. I have no, <laughs> I have no qualms about that. And if he could do this to the woman that he, you know, that he had relations with, and then also his own child, like, that's a next level kind of shit there. Um, but I think there's something in there about this desperation that's created from the societal norms, right? And, and it makes it even more sad. Um, I don't know. Something when you were talking about that, it was making me think these societal norms and how we um, are so obsessed with what other people think about us. I think that still holds true today. And you can see it in social media. I mean, this obviously isn't like a groundbreaking thought here, but it just it's making me think about the fact that on social media, people aren't putting hey, got in a fight with my spouse, we worked through it, we're now going to counseling, and our marriage is stronger, or what, you know, like, people don't say the hardships, they only show the good. And that's, I feel like, so often in these stories, they're very surface level. And I think that's because that's kind of how relate or like, I don't know, there was just such a value on that. And I think even in the 1950s, it's like, there was stuff that happened, but there wasn't a social media where you could hide it. You know, if somebody was pregnant or something out of wedlock, like you, people would get sent away to go live with an aunt for the summer or something. Mm -hmm. Like it was always, everybody's just been so obsessed for so long with what other people think of them instead of their own happiness. And also why wouldn't he just marry her? I think he didn't love her. I, I don't know. I mean, but my feeling is that... He, Not like that would have solved everything. No. I just, you know, and again, the, I know we've talked about this in other episodes. That's a hard thing with folklore is they are just so surface level. You hit the right. high notes and I just always have so many questions. <laughs> well, I think I think he... I don't know. I Honestly, I don't know. I You know, a lot of the times it has to do with class. So there's a lot of class divide within these songs. So a lot of times the man will be from a more wealthy kind of um, aristocratic sort of background and the woman won't be right. And so this is not, this was never about making a family with this other person, right? This was never about that. It was always about one thing for the man. And I think um, the tragedy at the end serves to back that up, right? Like he is selfish. He's also preying on women. And I think this is like my major point that I love and hate at the same time. I am true crime obsessed but I think in some ways it serves to keep women afraid of their environment. And, you know, I, these, this story really is about like, who can you trust, right? Like this man came up to her and, and, and from her perspective, she thought loved him. And I think like true crime, while I love it, 
um, is really about that, right? It's the modern day this. It's the way that women are like, well, I should be afraid to go to my car because I'm going to get assaulted or, you know, I need to carry my keys a certain way and I need to be afraid. And, um, you know, I don't disagree with that. The world is dangerous. But um, statistically, pregnant women are more likely in this country to get murdered by their spouses than they are to die in childbirth, right? Both of those are very low. <laughs> but you think about that as a statistic and and it instills fear and makes you afraid. And, you know, I, I've struggled with some um, kind of mental things in the past where I get so afraid that it's hard for me to go outside. It's hard for me to enjoy the sunshine. And and I think these stories help help put that forward. Women are victims. Women are always victims. And and I think that's that's you know, that's problematic in a way that I can't really describe or articulate well when I'm trying. No, I think you're doing a great job. And I think it kind of goes both ways. And hopefully I don't lose my train of thought here in the sense that like, women are told these stories. I know I have felt that same fear before too. You know, I don't like darkness. I Growing up, I have a, my father was a fireman and a paramedic. And so, I mean, he would get called on the scene for domestic violence. And, you know, when you look at it, both ways. It's like women do have reason to be fearful. But I also think, okay, and I, I'm almost hesitant to say this because I do not want it to be misconstrued. I'm not in any way saying that like men are trained for murder, but it, you know, you don't, there typically are more men abusing and murdering women. And it's it's so problematic of like all the different ways of why this happens. I think it's because you hear more stories of that happening, but you hear more stories because it does happen more, but also because men are kind of told that they're the stronger ones. They're the ones that are supposed to be more dominant. They're the ones that are, you know, supposed to play these sports. Like you look at wrestling and football and all these things that are really supposed to use like intensity and aggression. And those are celebrated traits. And then when they're used off the field, though, it's bad. They're not supposed to do that. And obviously, it, it is bad. I'm not saying it, it should be good. But what like, are you getting at here? <laughs> I don't know. Just that like, it's, it's all just such a weird, messy thing. Like e- the women's fear. Like we hear all this stuff in stories. And I don't know. It's just it's, it feels so messy. And I almost wonder as much as we're discussing that like in these murder ballads, what women were hearing is that they should be fearful and they shouldn't have sex were men almost hearing that it's okay then if a woman gets pregnant to beat her or murder her. Yeah. You know, like how it kind of goes both ways. And so I'm not like, (laughs) I I don't really know exactly what I'm saying, but I think, do you follow at all? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a couple things in, in that, in that statement. I mean, I, so I'm I'm struggling because um, women are portrayed as the victims in our in our media, but there are a lot of male victims out there too. And I I don't want to say like, uh, but men, right? Like I'm not trying to get. I'm a feminist. Uh, you know, I believe women. I am always like gonna. You know, that's that's the side I'm on. But I think it's interesting that um, you know we don't talk about you know we you know those stories kind of serve as a way to make the vulnerable feel more vulnerable it's the same with children like when you're when you're heavy into the true crime you hear a lot about child murders and and things like that and and i think um it it 
it's important because when, you know, stories need to be told and it's important to know your environment, but it gets to the point where what purpose is it serving? Is it, is it serving the victim's purpose or is it serving a way to kind of mass media kind of taking over and telling you, you should be afraid, right? Like you should be afraid. And um, I don't know. I mean, the, the amount of stories that I've heard of like serial killers and things, I'm terrified. I'm terrified of a serial killer, but statistically, Tom is the one that would murder me, statistically speaking, right? And, you know, you think about that and just kind of that that uh, fear, and it feels a little, like, contrived. feels like something they're trying to do. And and I think this story does that, right? It makes you aware as a woman, don't go with a guy. He, he'll he say he loves you, but don't do that. And that hurts, that hurts everybody. Well, I think, yeah, you're totally hitting on something because it's kind of our, our modern media too. Like we're so polarized right now. And that's because you don't see on the news, they're not talking about the good stories. They're talking about all the bad things that happen. They're making us scared. They're making us fearful for our neighbor. They're making us fearful that we're going to be carjacked. And, you know, um, yeah, so that's a whole other messy web too. But I think where you were getting at as well with these stories and, um, like anything, it does make me think at the beginning of the story, when you started talking about it, you know, she's just trying to carry out her business. He says something. He says it twice. He then starts following along. He basically stalks her to the market that she's heading to. And I think, you know, to me, that really shows, listen to your gut. And I know some of the crime podcasts that I listen to as well, they talk about that too. You know, listen to your gut, follow, you know, I would rather be rude to someone and stay alive than end up in a bad situation. And I do think like, as when that's more of the story that we need to hear as people, you Mm -hmm. know, it's, if something feels wrong, don't do it. You know, sometimes I just get a weird feeling like, I don't want to take the trash out at 11pm because I don't have to, you know, like, Mm -hmm. I also do know, statistically speaking, nobody's out there, nothing's going to happen to me, but your rational mind and the irrational part, sometimes it's like, why make them battle? Just stay safe. Do what feels right to you. Are you just trying to get get out of taking out the trash? Is that what this whole thing's about? You caught me. (laughs) I knew it. But I think that's true. I mean, again, uh, the the irrational or rational fear, I'm 100% behind you make sure you're safe a hundred percent. Like there's no qualms about that. And um, I have no problem with that, but I do think there is a piece of this that is trying to keep women indoors. That's trying to keep women quote unquote safe. And I don't know that I buy it. It's, it's a controversial statement, but I think like um, it is, it is our modern day murder ballad, right? It's serving to, to keep us aware and afraid um, and I'm obsessed. I have to watch these shows. I have to watch. I have to see what happens. Who killed her? Who? What happened? How did this happen? And, you know, um, I do think it's it serves to scare us. I completely agree. And it's just it's so interesting because I watch the same shows as my husband, as, you know, my friends in partnership. And when you look at um, from the typically male perspective most of the time. Well, I guess what I'm trying to get at is one time Malcolm and I had a really interesting conversation. We were talking about something. He's like, I think it evolved around take out the trash. So maybe I am just trying to not take out the trash. I knew it. I knew it. (laughs) But no, there was something 
can't remember the exact incident, but it had to do with like, I just kind of had this fear and this darkness and I didn't want to do something. And he was like, but you know, nothing's out there and I'm right here, right? Like I would hear, but I'm like, yeah, but I just don't want to do it. And we started talking about, and he wasn't trying to force me to do that. Let me make, to do it. Let me make that clear. But it led us to an interesting conversation of just the fear that women do live in and the fact that like, oh, I think it was like taking my dog for a walk Mm. or something. And I was like, oh, I can do that real quick. But I was like, oh, but I need to grab these keys because these certain ones, I feel more comfortable when I can hold them and have them like poking through as if I'm going to like swipe somebody in the face with this like protective brass knuckle key thing that I've created. You could, but like why I... Malcolm in his life has never walked anywhere and felt the need to place his keychain mm-hmm. in such a way. I mean, that is something that I can remember that being told. I feel like I've seen it in magazines, people talking about like, this is a way that women can protect themselves. And it's like so many things throughout. And you're so right that there's just so many levels and places that make women feel so much more fearful. Mm -hmm. And it's because that fear is real. Mm -hmm. It happens. Mm -hmm. But also, man, you're right. It does serve to like keep us inside. Well, yeah. And it also serves to make men not have agency in some ways as well, right? Um, Like if you look at a lot of stories about, right, like just stories, I'm not talking, I don't want to even pretend to talk about this subject in a way that I can articulate it correctly. But I think um, it gives the impression that men are one thing as well. Women are vulnerable and men are aggressive. And I I think that's, um, you know, I try to look at things from both sides. And, and, you know, obviously, I have little patience for people who are aggressive. (laughs) I have little patience for people who are aggressing. Um, But I think putting people in that 2D space, there's something really sad about that and a problematic that I can't quite it's like it's eluding me where I can't quite get to that point but I'm I'm skeptical that's what I was trying to say earlier I feel like you said it in a much cleaner way (laughs) that two dimension of within the story you know you're hearing okay so women are supposed to be meek and you know even women are supposed to be the ones that are pursued you Mm -hmm. know even from the beginning of this it's like he had the dominance of saying, basically, we're in a relationship now. Like, yeah. you know, I said something to you twice. I'm following you. This is what's happening. Where even even from that beginning, when you think about like when I was younger, it's not like I was ever asking people out. I was waiting because that's mm-hmm. what girls are supposed mm-hmm. to do. I like there's just so many nuances of this that are throughout culture and yeah. what we are again, no one can see me, but air quotes here, like what we are supposed to be. And I just, I'm so happy and thankful to be living on the side where we are seeing more power. We are seeing, you know, you can love who you want to love you. Everybody deserves to be respected. I mean, I do think there's still so many pockets of our world, unfortunately, though, that it women are still treated this way or partnerships are still treated this way. Um, And that really, really makes me sad. And that's kind of why I'm so happy that we're doing what we do. Mm -hmm. I really, I hope people hear this. I hope people know that they deserve to be loved. They deserve to be respected no matter who you are. And, you know, to find that, that partnership that lifts both people up because we all deserve that happiness. Yeah. And we hate Henry. Fuck that guy, right? Right. Fuck that dude. He's terrible. 
Oh my God. I can't even say enough. Like I'm joking, but I really, I just want to like kill him. <laughs> I just want to kill him. Um, and I think, you know, that we're not on the side of Henry here. Henry can go, um, Henry can go take a long walk, walk off a long cliff. Like I, I don't give a crap about him. He's clearly self-absorbed and pity, self-pitying and just like the worst kind of human. And I think that's what we're supposed to feel. But we, there is in this story, it does feel like she's to blame a little bit. Right. And I like, the story's telling us that. I don't believe that, right? Just to be clear. I think the story's like, well, you know, she could, she she got pregnant. Like, you know, this is kind of on her. And, um, you know, I am just really mad about it. <laughs> I get so mad too with stories like this because as somebody who, if only I could snap my fingers and get pregnant that quickly, I myself have had, a, I have PCOS. I have some other things I'm dealing with. And I always, I hate stories and kind of swinging things in a whole other level here. But so often these stories just make it sound like it's so easy. And like someone just chooses and is like, oh, I'm going to snap my fingers and get pregnant. Now, obviously some people can, but I think we are seeing so much more too in like our day and age. Like that's not how it works. Mm -hmm. And it's never, it's never just up to one person. Um, but Oh, I don't know. I feel like I kind of took us off from what you were saying, but that just always bothers me on a whole other level. And um, yeah, I agree. I mean, this guy's horrible. And I think the other thing I want to point out and bring us back to is that these murder ballads came from real stories. Yes, yes, yes. yes. This is not just, I mean, you know, we've, we've shared some other stories throughout the season and some of these things are based on maybe fact and then they're really elaborated. But I mean, to really bring us home here that this was a true event and what you hear in other murder ballads oftentimes they um sometimes something would happen and it'd be in a newspaper and someone would just make up a song to it because they would hear about a murder could you imagine if like people still did that i shouldn't laugh but like it just it like creeps me out but have you watched the, um, dateline though i mean <laughs> what's the difference that's our those murder modern ballad. that's our murder ballad right now i mean seriously it's it's telling a story in a very contrived way to kind of point the finger or change the thing you know change who's being in you know implicated and it's 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 a it's a murder mystery on true events so we i mean it's the same kind of exploit you know exploitation in some ways that should be their new tagline dateline i love dateline though i don't want to, i don't want to get too too haiti on dateline but i, no, I but just i'm just saying like, like dateline yeah. the modern murder the modern, modern murder, murder ballad, ballad. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a song but more but longer <laughs> it's like a song but longer plus they have keith morrison so like forget about it right i love me some <laughs> keith uh, also Lester Holt. Hello. Um, but yeah, I think that's, you know, I think it's one of these things that is extremely problematic. And um, in one case, you know, we talk about it in terms of women empowerment, right? So like um, getting women to be more safe and getting women to be more. But where I hit the problem is it's not on the woman. Like that's the wrong conversation. Yes, women need to be safe. Yes, women need to be careful. If you feel uncomfortable, get out. Like, yes. But we should be charging society as a whole and saying, look, this is not on women. This is men. This is all of us. This is society that need to kind of make this a safe place. Women shouldn't be the one that have to take self-defense classes. Of course, that's the reality. So I'm not, I'm not disparaging that. Well, I really like what you're saying, and it it kind of goes back to as well the nonprofit that we've chosen, um, and I think other nonprofits that do similar work. I myself am most familiar with the work of Care 
care.org and the fact that, you know, just exactly. <laughs> I just burped on. <laughs> That was so loud. Too. <laughs> we needed that. Oh, this is getting very heavy. Okay. <laughs> women can burp too, guys. We You're pass right. gas all the time. <laughs> it happens. I'm women for burping. <laughs> women for burping. There you go. Mm. Um, well, being most familiar with the work that care.org does, but this, uh, what's it? Chrysalis Shelter for Victims of Domestic Violence. And the work that they do that you were describing, where it's more than just focusing on women it's educating the men too so i am not at all saying that you know oh the poor men that are out there you know doing this please do not get me wrong but what i'm saying is it's like anything else if you see it around you if it's happening in generations before you and if that unfortunately becomes your norm much like if the norm in your society is that women stay home i mean we've been fighting, you know, it's taken a long time to get women being more than caretakers being I mean, we still are often put in those buckets. But I just quickly to say that I think that's why the work of these sort of nonprofits are so important, because you need that education. I mean, just like anything else, it's like, we are not born to want to do these things. I I mean, some people I think are just are born maybe messed up, but like oftentimes, whether you look at racism or these other things, it's like we are not born that way. Those are taught traits. So through education and through, you know, to your point, empowering women, but women shouldn't always have to be the ones to do the work, much like minorities shouldn't always have to do the work to, you know, we need people in power to make those changes and to care and to be educated. And so we can help to make these changes. Anyways, I don't know if I kind of got off track. No, but I love it. Yeah, I love it. I just will say that um, one thing that uh, I disagree with you, the only thing that I, and it's not even a disagreement, uh, but I think uh, this idea of women being in the home, it's like, not like less, I, I really think like choosing to be at home is great or choosing it's that choice that I really, I really support. Um, so I just wanted to clarify. Oh, and I'm, I'm with like yeah. my nerd glasses here. No, and actually, men. I agree. I just, you know, somebody that I know and looking in certain communities, I do still see women in the home being used as like what is quote unquote supposed to happen and it's still kind of giving or it's giving power to men in those situations but hell yeah i mean if you whether you're a man woman whoever and you want to stay home more power to you mm-hmm. i mean there's there's so many things that like you know even if you are just staying home to take care of the house and the family oh my god that's so much work in and of itself. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, there also are jobs and flexibilities and things that we can do and, you know, so many different creative careers. And you you do see that used in more of an empowering way. I guess I was just trying to talk about the stereotypical old fashioned way when you usually did see it. And and it wasn't a choice. So let's focus on that choice, that empowerment. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's also crazy because it's it's to the betterment of society when we can all have power. And that's why I just keep kind of harping on that educational piece. I think so often people get fearful for what they don't know. And they Mm -hmm. think much like, um, I love that saying, and now I'm probably, I'm kind of going blank for some reason, but you know, just because we're empowering someone else doesn't mean that you have less power. I think that's where we get into trouble where uh, some people, I don't understand how they can think it, but when they think about like the, 
quote unquote, all lives matter movement. That is not a movement. We are talking about black lives matter. And this is like, you know, when people can't understand that we are not asking you to give something up, we are asking you to lift somebody else up so that they have the choice, they have the power, they have the access and opportunity that you have had. And let's give people that equity, that opportunity. And I don't know, I obviously get really passionate about this. I just wish that people cared more to do the work to get educated and to just be more compassionate. I don't understand that fear when people really are just so desperate to hold on to power that they can't see that it's okay to allow someone else to have their own power. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think it all comes back to these old stories and the way that society was. I think we are moving away from it, but it was there's a few, well, we still have that today, you know, these like gajillionaires who really yep. have so much power. But oftentimes it, it was looking back at the home, it was like the man that had the power, the man that could make the decision, you know, like she tricked him into getting pregnant. So he took matters into his own hands. It's kind of this, this story that you were telling through the murder ballad. And it's, ugh. It just bothers me to the core. It leaves you feeling icky. Yes. I got to wash this folklore off. But also, um, one thing that I wanted to mention before we go, men, is that I love talking to you. I love talking to you. (laughs) And I think it's great. We don't always have to agree. I think, you know, that's the other thing I really want to emphasize to our listeners. We want to hear from you. Find us on Instagram at Femlore Podcast. Um, You know, you can find our email address there. Let us know what you're thinking. Let us know um, what you want to hear from the next season. Um, we we are now doing seasons, as you probably have noticed. So we're in our spring season. Then we'll take a little break. Rachel and I will be recording. We'll be researching. We'll be getting everything ready. And then Aaron will do his piece with the audio production. And we'll be coming back and launching a fall season. So we have time. We want to hear from you. And you know, I'll, also, just if you have thoughts, on the episodes, let us know. We we love hearing from our listeners. Yeah, and uh, let me know if you agree with us on uh, our me on the whole uh, whole you know murder craze. Let me know. Um, I'd love to hear from you guys. It's so a very very, I I agree. I mean, I it's mm-hmm. yeah. Let I, me know on social. Yeah, let us know on social. <laughs> yeah. And um, <laughs> the other thing I would say, if you have listen to us that one of the best things that you can do or to help us is to share this with your friends, you know, like us, leave a review, subscribe, subscribe. Um, And back to the point, I mean, I don't know that we've said anything here, although you've had some amazing points. And I've really enjoyed this conversation. But I do think the more people can educate themselves, the better. So maybe there's someone out there that needs to listen to this, needs to know that the situation they're in is not okay. There are places that can help you. Um, when we look at the Chrysalis um, Domestic Violence Organization that we are, we'll put a link in our show notes, but there are places that can help you. And if you are in a situation where you need help, please get it. You you are strong, you deserve better. Um, and that's kind of what we're here for. So thanks for listening. I guess we'll see you on the folklore flip, huh? Bye, Mindy. Bye, Rach. Mindy, make sure you wash off all that gross folklore, okay? Wash off my folklore funk. Yeah, turn your folklore funk. All right, I'll catch you on the next app. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. But you can always find us on Instagram at Podcast or visit us online at femlore.com. 
We love what we do, but we can't do it without you. Your listens, shares, and reviews keep us going, so please tell your friends about us. Femlore is produced by Mindy Scott, Rachel Marr, Aaron Crossland, and Lauren Crossland Marr. Audio engineering and music by Aaron Crossland. Research and coordination by Lauren Crossland Marr. And as always, canine support provided by Andy and Cody. Ow!